This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. The mother's yard tonight. tonight. Ella Bas Yitzchak. In the Shama have an Aliyah. May you continue to give her tremendous nachem. So we are concluding letter three. We are up to page 44. He explained the verse in Isaiah, which says a God garbed himself with tzedakah, as with a coat of armor, of scales, and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And the rabbis say that what's the comparison of tzedakah to an armor made of scales, shiryan, that just like an armor made of scales, one scale adds to another scale till it makes up a whole protective armor, so too every penny of tzedakah, it all adds up to a big cheshbon. And he explained what that means is that when a Jew does a mitzvah in this world, we generate Hashem's infinite light, which cannot be contained in this world. It's too profound, it's too infinite. We don't have the tools, the vessels to receive the infinite. And that's why the Talmud says that there's no reward in this world. Not there's no reward. There is a reward. But we cannot contain it in this world. It's too infinite. Like the famous story with the uh, Gerer Rebbe once got a ride with the wealthiest Jew in his town and he was a heretic. And he says, Rebbe, I don't understand. It says in the Shema that if you will follow the Torah of Mitzvah, you will be rewarded. And if you don't follow the Torah of Mitzvah, you will be punished. Look at me. Not only don't I follow the Torah and the mitzvah, I don't even believe in God. And look how wealthy I am and how comfortable I am and how much fame I have and how much respect I have. So the Gerer Rebbe says, well, since you're quoting the Shema, obviously, at least once in your lifetime you read the Shema. <laughs> Since all the money in the world is not enough reward for reading the Shema one time. Imagine reading the Shema every single day, twice a day. We can't even conceive the effect that every mitzvah has. But it's infinite, so it's beyond our capacity to receive. That's why in this physical, limited world, we can't receive the reward. It's only when the Nisham, after 120 years, tonight is your mother's yard, after 120 years, now then the Nisham is able to bask in the a glimmer of a ray of the infinite light that benefits from all the mitzvot that it generated in this world and it generated this infinite light, which is like putting money in a bank account. It's stored away from you. You can't access it, but it's there. And after 120 years, you can begin to benefit from it. And the mitzvot also enable you to benefit from it because the mitzvot act as, as a shield, as a protection. It's like the sun. You can't look directly at the sun. It's too, the light will blind you. So you need sunglasses. You need something to shield you to be able to receive the sunlight. So the mitzvot also, the mitzvot are what generate the reward, because it's the mitzvot that you've done in this world that generated this infinite light, this light that transcends the whole universe and the whole frame of reference of the universe. And this light illuminates the universe, but it remains in the world of atzilas, in the world of emanation. And a glimmer of a ray shines into the neshama, and how is the neshama able to receive it? The neshama, the soul, is finite. It's spiritual, but it's still finite. How is it able to receive even a glimmer of a ray of the infinite? Through the mitzvah. The mitzvah acts as a shield and enables it to absorb it. But not in this world. This world, we simply do not have the tools with which to receive this infinite light. The exception is the mitzvah of tzedakah. 
And that's why the verse, the Talmud says that tzedakah is compared to a, a coat of armor that's made of scales. You can't have a coat of armor that has no scales, that's solid. The body needs to breathe. If the body doesn't breathe, the person will die, the soldier will die. So you make it of scales, so air can circulate. And one scale covers over the other, so the arrows cannot penetrate. So it's protective, and yet there is ear. It allows ear to circulate. Tzedakah evokes such a powerful, intense revelation of godliness, more so than any other mitzvah, that it, it pours over, and it carries over, and it spills out, and it even influences us physically. It brings with it wealth and honor and long life and longevity and goodness and all the blessings. And it also acts as a shield to protect that this energy should not go in the wrong places. This energy should only go to those who deserve, to those who are worthy, those who are humble, those who are godly, those who are kind and good. So that's the comparison to the coat of, of arms. And then the verse continues, Yeshua And God wears like a helmet of salvation upon his head. We understand now why Tzedakah is compared to a coat of armor that's made up of scales. And just like many, many scales add up to a full coat of armor that's fully protective, so too, the Talmud says, Tzedakah adds up to a cheshben gadol, a big cheshben. A big cheshben refers to, it evokes the revelation of Hashem's greatness, gadol, Hashem's infinite greatness that reaches into the physical world and reaches into your physical life and brings with it all the blessings. And then he continues that tzedakah also acts as a, a helmet that draws down Yeshua, salvation upon his head. So Hashem will wear the helmet that will draw down salvation. Hashem is responding to us when we give tzedakah. When we are putting on a helmet, Hashem, so to speak, puts on the helmet that brings salvation upon his head. So what does that mean? Now he's going to explain, this is the end of the letter, letter 3 is going to explain the end of the verse, what the verse is, why the verse is referring to the idea of the helmet that draws down salvation. And the additional radiation and affluence is first bestowed upon the sphere of Chochmah, which is the first of the ten spheres. When you do the mitzvah and you draw down Hashem's infinite, transcendent self, Hashem's will, which is the mitzvah, which will transcends the finite, the limited, the ten spheres. But where is the will drawn? Who senses the will? The will then is drawn into its sense by the mind. Just like within a person. Will is an expression of your soul. But which part of you senses the will? It's your mind that senses the will, that knows what you want. So the mind receives the will. So, so too, this infinite revelation of Hashem's self, Hashem's transcendent self, which, is the, which is, results from the mitzvah, which is the, the divine will, which transcends divine wisdom and all the ten sfirot, the ten emanations, but nevertheless, the will is drawn down, this infinite light is drawn down into the, into the wisdom. And the wisdom senses it. And that's why... The, the will is internalized by the wisdom and that's true of all the mitzvah that's what we say before every mitzvah to unite Hashem's transcendent self with Hashem's imminent self but what's unique about tzedakah is that we evoke such an intense level of revelation that once it's internalized his will is internalized by the divine wisdom, it overflows and it trickles down into the physical and manifests even in the physical and health and longevity and blessings. This is the meaning of the above quoted phrase 
and a helmet of salvation upon his head. Roshay refers to the head, which refers to um, the beginning of intellect, which is the chachma, the creative mind, the right brain, and then you have the left brain, which is the analytical mind, and then you have the integrative brain. So this becomes a helmet of Yeshua, of help, al-Reshe. What is Yeshua? Now, now he's going to explain what is Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeshua shares a root with Vayesha, which is the verb in the phrase, and God turned toward Abel and his gift. In the book of, of Genesis, in the Torah portion, the very first Torah portion of Genesis, that they both offered an offering, the two brothers, and God turned, Vayesha, he turned to the gift of Hevel, the younger brother, and he did not turn to the gift of Cain. And that aroused the jealousy of Cain over Abel, and that's why Cain murdered Abel. Now, that's the root of the word Yeshua, Yeshua, help. It comes from the root word Vayesha, he turned. He turned, drawing down. This alludes to the drawing down of the light and abundance of the Shinayan and the Horan, the 370 lights spoken of in the Holy Zohar. Everything is in the Hebrew word. And then go back into the Hebrew letters. Shin is 300. Ayin is 70. There are 10 svirot. There are three intellectual, mid, uh, intellectual attributes. And there are seven emotional attributes. So it's three and seven. But when you go to the root and the source of the 10 svirot, the way they're rooted in the soul, in the subconscious, the three is amplified. The three becomes 300. It's not three, it's 300. It's amplified the intellect. The conscious intellect is just the tip of the iceberg. But intellect, the way the intellect is incorporated in the subconscious, it's so beyond our ordinary way of thinking. There are no words, there are no letters, we're not even conscious of it. We don't even perceive it. We can't even perceive it. Yet the way our mind works, when our conscious mind is working and solving a problem, our subconscious mind is working full-time to solve the problem. That's why we dream, we sleep, we, we, when we're asleep, sometimes solutions come to us in our sleep. And then suddenly it pops into our mind like a eureka. But the way our subconscious mind works on a problem and tries to process information, it's so beyond... It's so beyond our ordinary way of understanding things that we don't even perceive it. We can't even perceive it. So that's like three versus 300. It's a whole different dimension. It's intellect on, 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 uh, on a turbocharge. It's intellect on, on steroids. It's, it's an intellect on a whole different dimension of intellect. That, that, that's 300. What's the ayin? The ayin represents the seven emotional attributes. But in the world of emanation, in the conscious world, in the ten spheroid, in the world of revelation and emanation, there are only seven. But the emotions are rooted in the subconscious. And the way they are in the subconscious, it's not seven, it's seventy. The emotions on the conscious level are almost like a, a caricature of, of real emotion. It's almost like flat, like, like a cartoon, taking a three-dimensional object and projecting it on a, on a two-dimensional surface. What do you get? You get a cartoon. <laughs> the emotions that we feel, I love, I hate, that we easily define and easily describe, and are almost cartoonish in comparison to the depth of a real emotion, the way it's rooted in the subconscious, which is so beyond our conscious level which is three-dimensional, and it's depth, and, and it's hard. that's why it's hard to describe in words. Anything that's easy to describe in words, you know is very superficial. A real experience, you can't even describe in words. And that's what he calls 70. It's, it's the emotions amplified times 10. Every emotion is amplified times 10. So in the intellect, says every intellect is amplified times 100. So 3 becomes 300. Shin, that's the shin of Yeshua. And the ayin, this is the root of the word Yeshua, of Yeshua, which is the root from Vayesha. And the root is shin ayin. Shin is the 300, that's the intellect, the way it's rooted in the subconscious. And the ayin is the emotions, the ayin. 
So these are the 370 lights which come from the transcendent level of Hashem, from the keser, the crown, which transcends. This is the koiva, this is the hat, this is the helmet. The helmet, that's Yeshua. The helmet that's above the head. That's above the conscious. And that's the Yeshua, that's the help. And from there, Vayesha, from there Hashem turns. And this, these 370 lights trickle down into the conscious level, trickles down into his head. That's why it says, Koiva Yeshua, the helmet of his salvation, and it should have said, Al Roshi, on his head. It says, Bid in, in his head. It, it trickles down from the 370, it trickles down into the conscious level. This light is much loftier than the 10th sphere of Atsilah. The letter Shin, whose numerical value is 300, alludes to the three intellectual faculties, of Chabad, insofar as they exist in a spiritual level, termed hundred. The letter I, in whose numerical value is 70, hints at the seven emotive attributes, each of which incorporates ten elements. This lofty illumination, the helmet of salvation, is drawn down upon the head, i.e. the beginning of the tenth sphere. As it is written, may Hashem make his face, i.e. his inner being, shine upon you, upon his people in this lowly world. This is from the priestly blessing, which we just read the past Shabbat, the priestly blessing. It says, Yoyer Hashem, Ponov Elach, Hashem should shine his face. Now, the face reflects the inside. The word face comes from the word Panim. It reflects what goes on in the inside. So when a person has a delightful thought, a person has a eureka moment, and he has a creative thought, you can't help but be reflected on the face. He's smiling. What? Moshe with the bright... Uh... Right. He's smiling from face to face. You can't help. The excitement shows through. The face tells everything. All the cosmetics in the world can ever cover up in the face. A person who's refined, it's written on the face. A person who's selfish, self-centered, conceited, egotistical, it's written on the face. A person who's cruel, written on the face. Everything is written on the face. person is kind. You can't, the face doesn't hide anything. There's edel, an edel of face, a refined face. But the face also gives us some reflection of what's going on deep inside. Not just on the conscious level, but even the deeper faculties, subconscious faculties, pleasure, willpower, determination. All of that is written on the face. So we ask Hashem to shine His face for us. So yes, it's written on the face, and you can see it. And that's what it means, that it's, in, it's internalized. It's, the face senses and conveys what's really beyond, beyond the intellect. It's coming from the inner depth of a person, the subconscious, the willpower, the pleasure. So we ask Hashem, the priestly blessing is Hashem should radiate, should shine His face on you. That is inside, His innermost self, which is really His transcendent self, should radiate and should illuminate and should shine and smile at us. It is also written, may he make his face, i.e. his inner being, shine with us forever. That which ensures that this divine light be with us is the practice of charitable deeds. Itanu should shine with us. Yaripanav, may he make his face, his inner being. Itanu. Shine with us. We pray to Hashem. We want to access. Your face should shine. You want to see it. When a person smiles, you can see it. We don't know what's going on inside of a person. But when the face is lit up, it, you can see it. The face belongs to the public. The face is a public advertisement. That's why a person, you have no right to walk around with a frown on your face. Your face doesn't belong to you. <laughs> it belongs to the community. It belongs to the public. Just because you're in a bad mood, why, why is the other person's fault? <laughs> he has to suffer. You have to walk around grouchy and you have to smile. The face is public. So we ask Hashem, we want to see a display. We want to see this inner light of Hashem written all over the face. We want to be able to see it, to access it, to benefit from it, to enjoy it. And this only comes about through tzedakah. Because all the other mitzvot we don't enjoy, and we can't see, and we can't access. We know, 
we believe and we know that every time we do a mitzvah, we're like putting money in our bank account. We know that we're making a deposit of the most precious, precious thing in the world. But we can't see it, we can't perceive it, and we don't get anything from it. The reward is not present. But when you give tzedakah, that comes, comes through loud and clear. And we can see Hashem's smile and we can benefit from it. The meaning of the phrase, he who sows tzedakot, charities, brings forth Yeshua, salvation, i.e., the distribution of charity in the salvation brought about by the light of the above-mentioned Shin Ein Nehoim. This is from the first blessing before the Shema every morning. So we say, He who sows tzedakah causes, brings forth Yeshua because it evokes, like we just learned, Yeshua, the 370 lights from Hashem's keser, from the crown, from the, this is the helmet that's above the head, that transcends the head, transcends the divine emanations. And this brings about the help, the literal help. Because when this Yeshua comes down into the head and it comes into the face, you can see it. You can see that smile. When Hashem smiles, when the King smiles, all there is is life and all there is is blessing. Even the condemned person, the King smiles, his sentence is commuted. So if you get Hashem to smile, it brings all the blessings. How do you get Hashem to smile? If you make another person smile. <laughs> if you make another person smile you give tzedakah you help a person you make them smile then you make Hashem smile when Hashem smiles then literally we have help because we draw down the shin ayin the root of the word help in Hebrew Hashem turns towards us because we draw down the 370 lights from Hashem's transcendent self and it comes down into, in a visible way, in a tangible way. So may God make His face shine upon you. This letter is a letter of encouragement. Encouraging the Hasidim to give tzedakah. The, don't forget the Rebbe's Hasidim, this is going back over 200 years ago. People hardly had bread to eat. They struggled to put bread on the table. Most of these 32 letters discuss tzedakah, the importance of giving tzedakah. This was to all the Hasidim, not just the wealthy. Of course, they were very wealthy people. And the Alter Rebbe is encouraging all of the Hasidim to make tzedakah a central part of their lives especially tzedakah to the Holy Land of Israel, to support the Jews in Israel. That tzedakah outshines all other tzedakahs. So, these were people who were sharing the bread they needed to eat. It wasn't, there was no luxury. We don't even know the meaning of hunger. We don't even know the meaning of, um, in most of our generation, wouldn't even know the meaning. Thank God. And, but this is how central tzedakah is in the Jew's life. And tzedakah could mean many forms. It could mean sharing your bread. It could mean physically helping a person, whatever, whatever it is. But it's through, Alter Rebbe is encouraging his chassidim, that by giving tzedakah, Hashem will make his face shine upon you. It's a blessing. He's blessing those he's addressing the letter to. The Jews in Russia, his Hasidim, may Hashem make his face shine upon you. Continue. And your tzedakah shall forever. Meaning, like he explained, the benefits of the tzedakah, the fringe benefits, the benefits, the physical benefits that we get in this world are merely the fringe benefits. Longevity, health, honor, all the good things, that's just the fringe benefits. The essence of the mitzvah remains in heaven, remains in the spiritual realms. And that remains forever. We're not even, we're not even living off the principle. We're just living off the dividends. The, the benefits that we're getting, the physical rewards that we're getting for tzedakah, where Hashem says, please test me. 
It's the one mitzvah Hashem says, please test. Make me a partner in your business. Like someone here in the community put it very well. He says, he explains to his friends. He says, imagine if you had someone propose to you to become a partner in your business. And all he asks for, doesn't want 50-50. You keep 90%. Just give me 10% of the profit. Would you take him on as a partner? <laughs> you would jump. Say, please, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Let's sign it immediately. That's what Hashem does. Hashem says, I'm a partner. And he's not 50-50. Really, Hashem, is, Hashem does everything. Because without His blessing, nothing happens. And all He asks of you is, give me 10%. You keep 90%. You would feel bad about giving tzedakah, bad about writing that check. It's your money. Your partner's money. To make Hashem a partner and to be blessed in everything that you do, you got to be a fool not to accept Hashem as a partner. So this is the one mitzvah Hashem says, please test me. Give tzedakah and you'll see that you'll physically be rewarded. Now, the reward that we get in this world, we're not, taking, we're not living off our principle. The principle stays intact. That's what he says. The tzedakah remains forever, endures forever, because we're not even scratching the surface of the, of the principle. We're not touching the principle. We're just living off the, the dividends. It keeps on spewing out dividends. You give tzedakah, the principle remains, and you're just, you're just giving out the dividends. That which is revealed now as a result of an act of tzedakah is merely the fruit the essence of the reward is revealed only at the time to come, at the time of the revival of the day, and until that time it remains concealed. Only then, in the light of the Sovev Kol Almun, truly per- permeate and clothe itself within this world. So he says the main reward will not be, not even when Mashiach will come. Mashiach is not a reward. The main reward will be the resurrection of the dead. Because then this world will be transformed. And it will be able to receive, the physical world will be able to receive this infinite transcendent light in in an eternal way. Which is why miracles will happen. That's why the dead will come to life. Because on on a limited level, which is the dimension that the world is operating in now, death is death and life is life, and the two are opposites, and you can't, the two don't, don't go together. But when you reach the transcendent level of Hashem, then even the dead can come to life. And even, so that will mean that the world is ready to receive the infinite revelation of Hashem in the physical world, and that's why physically there will be a resurrection of the dead, not just spiritual will be physical because now everything takes place spiritually because there's the physical cannot handle the spirit it's too finite it's too limited it's too narrow this world is like a stone this world is the lowest of all the worlds it's physical it's unmovable it can't receive the infinite light Mashiach will come and especially during the resurrection this world will receive God's infinite light even more so than the higher spiritual realms. And then the body will be primary. Then the physical will be primary. Even more so than the spiritual. But that's the level of resurrection. That's a level when we enter into a whole different dimension of reality when we, the world is completely transformed. It will come about as a result of our actions today. A result of all our Torah and all our mitzvot and all our tzedakah and all our this, will, this is changing the world, one mitzvah at a time. That's how we change the world. We change the world through mitzvahs. We've been changing the world for 4,000 years. We don't see it. But every mitzvah that a Jew has been doing for the last thousands of years, all 613 mitzvahs, that's, we have been changing the world. One mitzvah at a time, one portion of the world at a time, one physical part of the world at a time. Every time we do a mitzvah, we're drawing down God's infinite essence. So it's not Mashiach as a separate thing. It's like we, we've been doing, we've, we've been playing around for the last 4,000 years and all of a sudden Mashiach is going to come out of uh, some hocus pocus. We've been bringing Mashiach through our mitzvot. That's the only program to bring Mashiach is through mitzvot. 
There is no other program. And we've been doing it for thousands of years. Every Jew who has been doing a mitzvah has been bringing another brick, another stone in the temple, has been building the temple, has been bringing down this light. We are now literally at the threshold. And now, we don't know which Jew is going to have the merit, but one of us is going to be the lucky one who's going to do that last mitzvah that will cause the world to reach a critical mass on the accumulation of thousands of years of sacrifice and mitzvot and, and all the prayers and tears and dedication and joy and love and kindness and tzedakah all accumulated together over thousands and martyrs, martyrdom and heroism and self-sacrifice and all of that together, all that energy together it's building up and literally we are now in the ninth inning and all the bases are loaded and we don't know which one of us is going to have the merit to hit that home run. It could be anyone. It could be a nobody. It could be anybody. It could be any, any Jew anywhere around the world will have the merit to put that last mitzvah. Maybe it's lighting a Shabbat candle the first time in their life. A Jew lights a Shabbat candle the first time in their life. Maybe it's someone who's going to put on tefillin the first time in his life. And Timbuktu, who knows? Maybe it's a Jew living here on the Upper East Side who will have the merit to come to Shul for the first time in his life on Shabbat. Who knows what it, what it will take. But every one of us has that ability because the truth is if one mitzvah would not have that ability then doing a zillion mitzvah wouldn't make any difference the fact that the Torah says that a zillion mitzvah all together add up and bring Mashiach will bring that awakening when everyone will wake up and the lights will go on as the scientists call it the critical mass when we reach a critical mass and suddenly it'll spread like in a second a split second the fact is that means that every single mitzvah contains that ability. Every single mitzvah is a nuclear explosion ready to happen. The tiniest mitzvah, the greatest mitzvah, the smallest mitzvah, the simplest Jew, the tiniest Jew, the greatest Jew, everyone. Thousands of years. Every mitzvah contains that seed, that nuclear energy, that nuclear potential. And that's why all the mitzvahs accumulate. And that's why it's going to take one last mitzvah. It could be tonight. It could be any one of us pushing ourselves, doing an extra mitzvah. It's such a practical program. It's almost scary how practical it is. How do you bring Mashiach? Very simple. The Torah spells it out very clearly. You don't have to be clear. It's simple. It's clear. It's so obvious. If all 70,000 Jews living in the Upper East Side, if every one of us did one more mitzvah than we did yesterday, taking a baby step forward from the greatest to the smallest. Everyone can grow. If everyone took one baby step forward, did one more mitzvah, it would revolutionize human consciousness. It would usher in the messianic era. It would, it would tip the scale. It would create that critical mass on the accumulation of 3,800 years. That's the program. There is no other program. That's the only program spelled out by Hashem himself called the Torah, Halacha, Mitzvot. That is the program. There is no other program. And a Jew, every Jew is obligated to believe this is Halacha. Every Jew is obligated to believe that the whole world is on an equal scale and that every one of us has the power on any day, on a Wednesday afternoon, anywhere in the world, any Jew has the power by doing one mitzvah not only in action, even in speech, even in thought, we have the power to single-handedly tip the scale and bring redemption to the whole. It's not Kabbalah, it's simple. It's halacha, it's simple, clear-cut. This is the Rebbe's program. This is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's program. Opening 5,000 Chabad houses, getting every Jew around the world to do one more mitzvah. Put on tefillin, light a candle, give tzedakah, study Torah, Avas Yisrael, Education, all the, t all, the, all the mitzvot. One Jew at a time, one mitzvah at a time. And we have to believe that we are literally, literally on the threshold. We are in the ninth inning. All the bases are loaded. And we have to believe that every one of us has the power to hit that last home run. And maybe we will be that one that will hit the lottery ticket. Not for ourselves. And not only because of my mitzvah. Because of all the 
You know, it's like Jackie Mason says, he was a comedian for 40 years and then he became an overnight success. <laughs> it's not Mashiach is going to come today because suddenly we, we, we woke up and we, we discovered Mashiach. They've been working on Mashiach for 3,800 years. Our ancestors have been given their blood and their life. That is Torah Mitzvah. That is the program to bring Mashiach is Torah Mitzvah. What is Mashiach? Mashiach is when this world will become a Torah world, when this world will look exactly as God envisioned it, which is called the Torah. And that comes about through every Jew throughout all the generations have been doing, studying Torah and doing mitzvah. Now when you add all that accumulation of all that energy together, we will be the ones who are fortunate. Not that we merit it. We're the midgets of all the generations. We are the angel of death of all the generations called Ikvis and the Mashiach. We're the souls of the souls of the feet, which is called the angel of death in the organism because it's the least sensitive part in the whole body, the souls of the feet. We are so insensitive. We don't feel anything. We don't sense anything. When Moshe looked at our understanding, it's like a joke. Any spiritual experiences that we have is like a joke in comparison to what our ancestors experienced. I mean, we're like the midgets of the midgets. You know, we don't even delude, we can't even delude ourselves otherwise. That's how, that's how you know, because that's who we are. <laughs> that's how midgety we are. But nevertheless, Irony of irony. Paradoxes of paradoxes. And Hashem works in paradoxes. We will be the one. The souls of the souls of the feet are the ones who carry the whole organism. And the whole organism it walks based on the souls of the souls of the feet. It carries the head with it. We are going to be the ones who are going to bring Moshe into the land of Israel. Moshe is still stuck in the desert. It's only when our generation will merit the coming of Mashiach, the rebuilding of the temple, the third temple, Moshe will join us. He says, this will happen, ultimately. The ultimate reward will be, not only when Mashiach will come, but the next stage, after Mashiach comes, which is be the revival of the dead. Because when Mashiach will come, the Talmud says, Moshe will be present immediately. Moshe and Aaron will be resurrected immediately. Only the greatest Sadiqim will be resurrected immediately. But the general resurrection will happen, according to the Zohar, 40 years after the coming of Mashiach. It will be like a different uh, a stage. Mashiach will be all natural. Except for the, the, those special righteous ones who are going to be immediately resurrected. So I can't imagine that's going to be too natural. But for the rest of us, thing, things will be pretty natural. Then, then, the next stage, when miracles start happening, and the, the dead start rising, and that's when this, this world is transformed. And the material becomes, is able to absorb the infinite. And Hashem's intense infinite self will be revealed in this world even more so than the higher realms and the spiritual realms. May your horn be exalted by the salvation, Yeshua, of the one who causes the horn of salvation to sprout by sprouting of the sedaka, which Hashem does for his people from the helmet of salvation mentioned above. So may your horn, meaning your power, your strength, be lifted, be exalted through the salvation of Hashem by lifting His horn, His strength of Yeshua, the 370 lights which comes from Hashem's helmet, Hashem's transcendent self, which will illuminate and shine through in this world as the wish of one who seeks Him. So this is a very strong blessing al Rebbe gives to his Hasidim, to those who he wrote this letter to, but this blessing is for, for us today as well. Anyone who chooses to live by this letter and chooses to give tzedakah and follow the Torah and to give tzedakah will merit all these powerful blessings and will see salvation in his life and see Hashem's smile and Hashem's help which will translate even physically, physical health, longevity, as he said earlier, success, financial success, blessings, all the good things. When you give tzedakah to a goy on the street, where does that fit into So it says, it says that we, we, we Jews take care of everyone, not only we follow the ways of peace. Peace, peaceful way and har- harmony is we help everyone. But there are priorities. In tzedakah, there are priorities. If your family needs help, or a stranger needs help, 
Who do you help first? Your family. If your neighbor needs help, or someone comes knocking in your door from another city, who, who, who do you help first? Your own community, your own neighbor. There are priorities. What comes first and what comes second? You know, there, you have to use your, there's a hierarchy. You have to use, so too, there are priorities. Jews are family, we're family. So primarily, our primary tzedakah is first we have to help our family. You're only going to be as kind to your neighbors as you are as kind to your family. If you prefer neighbors over your family, you're a very dysfunctional person. And you're not going to bring any help to your neighbors. It means you're a very sick person. A person who's healthy, a person who's kind to his own family and takes care of his family will be a wonderful neighbor. So that's our window to the world. Our window to the world is because we're Jewish. Why do we care about the whole world? It's because we're Jewish that we care about the whole world. So we cherish our Jewishness. We're proud of being Jewish. So where should most of our tzedakah go to? Instead of having all these Jewish names and all these museums and non-Jewish museums and things that have nothing to do with anything Jewish, Egyptian culture, it should be 80% should go to build yeshivot, should go to help make sure that every Jewish child can have a, a birthright, a free Jewish education. Then, support the whole world. Be my guest. But it can't be the reverse. You can't be giving 80-90% of your tzedakah to things that have nothing to do with your Jewishness. You're saving the whales. Well, the Jewish people also becoming an endangered species. Maybe they should lay <laughs> with all the assimilation. Maybe it's to start saving the Jews. <laughs> so there's something, there's something wrong. You can't do tikkun alam. You can't fix the world if you, if you hate yourself. If you're not in touch with yourself. <laughs> it's very simple. The reason we Jews care about the whole world is because it's Jew, being Jewish. Because Jews care. We're compassionate people. It's our trademark. It's our name. It's who we are. It's our character trait. So we should cherish our Jewishness, prize our Jewishness, celebrate our Jewishness. And that means, first and foremost, support Jewish causes and Jewish institutions to continue and preserve and make sure that it thrives and flourishes so that other Jews can have the same benefit that you have to cherish their Jewishness to have the awareness and the knowledge and the education and the information and to know the role that they play as Jews to understand what it means to be part of God's chosen people to understand what it means to be part of holy people and Israel is a holy land you have to have an education, awareness. Because the whole world is dependent on it. So yes, we have to support the whole world. And we do support the whole world. That is the way of peace. But it's because we're Jewish. And therefore we have our priorities. Because again, we are the conscience of the world. We are a small, there are hardly any Jews in this world. We have to act as the role models. We can model how a community should act. So when we take care of, let's say, our special needs children, we're showing a role model that let every community take care of their special needs children. We don't have the resources to take care of the whole world. We're, we're tiny people. But we are the conscience of the world. We can lead the way. We can, show, we can show the way. We can show the light. Be a light unto the nation. Inspire everyone. How things are done right, how it should be done, the correct way of doing it, the humane way of doing it, the compassionate way of doing it, the godly way of doing it, the good way of doing it, the wholesome way of doing it. So we become a role model for everyone else. Well, we can't physically take care of the whole world. That's never our intent. But of course, but because of the ways of peace, yes, we help everyone. We can. But we have to act as a role model. So we have to be ourselves. We're not ourselves. If I am not for me, who will be for me? But if I'm only for myself, then what am I, right? The Hillel. So yes, we're not only for us. We help everyone. But, first and foremost, you have to be who you are. If you're not true to yourself, you can't help anyone. A Jew is not true to himself. A Jew is not proud of his Jewishness, doesn't cherish his Jewishness, is not helping anyone, is not bringing light to anyone, is not illuminating anyone. When you're in a dark, confused place, all you sow is darkness, and all you reap is darkness. Can't be any other way. If a simple Jew, if I knew of somebody right. that is able to do this, a simple Jew, right. how this simple person could help others to. They should, they should inspire others to light Shabbos candles and study Torah and do mitzvot and be good Jews. 
That's, that's all spirituality is just there to help us to do mitzvot, because that's the bottom line. All, all human meditations, angels sit and meditate all day. Angels have this gland times a thousand. And they meditate for thousands of years, and they don't do anything. They don't accomplish anything in the sense they don't bring Mashiach. It's only human beings who have egos, who have to struggle, who have to take something physical and do a mitzvah, and doing 613 mitzvot. This is the program. This is the way. There is no other way. There is no other program. There's no new agendas. Judaism doesn't have any new agendas. From, from Mount Sinai, we have one agenda, and that's the Torah and the mitzvot and halach. There is no other agenda. Everything else is wings, is aids, help us. But it's wings. We have to remember, spirituality is just wings. When spirituality becomes an end in itself, either we go insane, or we die, or we become heretical. It's, Rabbi Kiva was the only one who got it right. Spirituality is an A, that's all it is. But we can't confuse God with spirituality. All these spiritual experiences are not God. We don't even know what God looks like. Angels have been meditating for 6,000 years without eating, without drinking, without sleeping, and they don't even know what God looks like. So we can't confuse spirituality with God. The only way we can touch Hashem is when you physically do a mitzvah, 613 mitzvah. There is no other way. That's it. And every time we do a mitzvah, we're drawing Hashem's infinite light into this world. So that's the program. That has been the program for 3,800 years. There is no other program. And that's what we've been doing. And we've been busy full-time with this program. You don't have to, we don't have to create anything new. We don't have to embellish. We don't have to find some new trick. There's no tricks. There's no, nothing to embellish. We've been working at this for 3,800 years. This is the way. This is the path. And the Rebbe says, we, we, we're almost there. We're there any second. We just have to get one last Jew to do one last mitzvah. You know what? Maybe it's me. <laughs> Maybe it's you. Every one of us has to add one little mitzvah. So if a Jew is inspired, if a Jew, a simple Jew is inspired, if a simple Jew is on fire, get another Jew to do a mitzvah. Physically, practically, live a Jewish life. There's no other way. Everything else is, is fluff. Everything else is... is icing on the cake. How, how do we know that only Rabbi Akiva made it to heaven? No, the Talmud tells us these four had an experience together uh, and this, this was the result. It didn't say only Rabbi Akiva. It says these four told us a story. These four had a collective experience and he was the only one who made it out of that group. He was the only one who made it intact. Of course he wasn't the only one who had it. But of these four, of his colleagues, he was the only one. And it says why? Because he entered in peace and he left in peace. The question is... The Rabbi, one that died. Rabbi Kiva wasn't the only one that entered in peace. The, the, the Talmud doesn't make sense. It says Rabbi Kiva was the only one who entered in peace and he left in peace. It doesn't make sense. They all entered in peace. They were all whole when they entered. It's the what happened as a result. Why does the Talmud say Rabbi Kiva was the only one who entered in peace? They all entered in peace. The Talmud is telling us, explaining to us why Rabbi Kiva was the only one who left in peace. Right. Because he was the only one who entered peace. So he entered differently than all his colleagues. They entered to have a spiritual, a peak experience. And that became the whole Judaism, peak experiences. That's not Judaism. That's, that's, that's not Judaism. That's Hinduism, Buddhism, nothing to do with Judaism. Nothing to do with Judaism. That's not Judaism. Rabbi Kiva was the only one who entered in peace. He didn't go into this experience to have peak experience. He never confused God with spirituality and peak experience. He entered in peace. He knew that this is a tool. Hashem wants us to be spiritual. Because when we're spiritual, we're open. But open to who? To what? Open to Hashem. And how do you touch Hashem? The physical, simple mitzvah in your daily life. Only a Jew gets it. It's not about peak experiences. It's not... It's Hashem is so transcendent. Hashem is, transcends the infinite. Hashem is beyond anything. The moment, the moment you open your mouth, it's already not Hashem. How do you touch Hashem? Only through 613 mitzvah. That is Mashiach. There is no other agenda. There is nothing else. All there is is Hashem and the Torah. Everything else. When heaven becomes an end in itself, peak experience becomes an end in itself, that becomes idolatry. That becomes the biggest obstacle to Hashem. How do you bring Mashiach? Hashem told us how you bring Mashiach. There is no other way. 613 mitzvah. Very simple. That has been the agenda from Mount Sinai. It hasn't changed. It's not like suddenly we have to find a new trick, a new, to embellish Yiddishkeit, discover. This, this, this is it. There is nothing else. That has been our agenda from day one. Well, we can't do the whole thing. Right? We're in exile, but whatever we could do. And even one mitzvah has the power to tip the scale. We have to believe that, every one of us. 
And we always have to think that. That maybe I, today, at this moment, by doing this mitzvah, making that baby step forward, growing in my Yiddishkeit, growing in my day-to-day life, and my daily observance of Yiddishkeit, I, have, I could be the one who can tip the scale and, and bring redemption to the whole entire world. Every one of us has to believe that, the simplest of the greatest. You want to bring Mashiach? Very simple. Start with your neighbor or your friend. Get every one Jew at a time. Get one Jew in the world to really think and believe and know. Be aware that I have the power to single-handedly revolutionize human consciousness, close the deal, create that critical mass, hit that home run, bring us all to home base through my single good deed, through my extra smile, my extra encouraging words, my extra positive attitude. That's how we bring Mashiach. If all 70,000 Jews living in the Upper East Side live with this thought, every one of us, and lived accordingly and took one baby step forward, it's so practical, it's so doable. We don't have to climb to heaven. We don't have to dig. It's so, it's so obvious. It's so simple. The deepest things in life are the simplest things. It's so simple. And it's so real, realistic, and it's so doable. And every one of us could participate. The simplest of the greatest. Get one more person to do one thing more Jewish in their life. One baby step forward. Very simple, very practical, very doable. That's what the Rebbe's program, 5,000 Chabad houses. One Jew at a time, one mitzvah at a time, from the greatest to the smallest. And, and it's on top of 3,800 years. It's not like we, we suddenly woke up today, we're bringing Mashiach. We've been bringing Mashiach for 3,800 years. We have to close the deal. That's our job. We're the deal closers. We've got to bring it home. We've got to hit the home run. And we're, everything is ready. But we've got to hit the home run. And we haven't hit the home run yet. Because we're still sitting here instead of Jerusalem. <laughs> now the Rebbe should be giving the Tanya class. Unfortunately, <laughs> this is the tragedy of exile. Here, here we are. This is <laughs> teaching Tanya. You understand? That's yeah, but you're doing pretty good. Yeah, you're a great teacher. Well, you, 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 you'll hear the Alter Rebbe. You won't say that. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> to be continued. Thank you. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.